cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it, this week's edition of The Bounce Show, your weekly sports show where you can just hang with me and for an hour hopefully become more informed, more entertained with what's going on in sport right now. My name is Ben Karpinski on the most unrestricted of all platforms in all of the world. This is it, Cliff Central. Uh, if you are listening live, you can tweet me at Follow the Bounce. Uh, feel free to chat to me about anything. I'll string it into conversation somewhere along the line. If you are listening on podcast, thank you. You are a very progressive person. Podcasting is the way of the future and how we can get great content to you every single week. This week's opening song is Mac Miller. Dang. Nice tune. Very foul mouth rappers as always. So cool weekend of rugby because uh, the box weren't playing, so nothing too depressing. The Cheetahs, they were good, huh? Wow, what a Curry Cup semi-final weekend that was. I'm going to be writing a piece this week or in this actual day or two about how there isn't really a wing crisis in this country. If we could just let Flair give Flair a chance. This weekend's Curry Cup fixtures, I felt, were just kind of you know symbolize how we've got such great attacking runners um, and rugby players in this country but you know they're not being unleashed I know international rugby is a very different thing it's not nearly as um, fast and loose as we will see on the provincial stage but we've got to see what what our talent can get us and um, interesting week in that this is the big coaching in Darba so uh, yeah there's so much to discuss around this right now so much to discuss in rugby and look into it but it's not all doom and gloom I think that's where I was going with the intro so we're going to catch up on the state of the world of, of um, sport right now. And then we've got James Marsh, uh, one of my favorite pundits. I wouldn't even call him a pundit, actually. He's, he's probably the greatest long-form cricket writer that I've ever, ever met. Uh, definitely ever, ever read this stuff. He writes incredible pieces. Very, very insightful guy. We've had him on the show a few times. So he's going to come back for a general catch-up on what's happening in cricket. There's some interesting things on the go right now because Test Cricket is very much at the fore and James, like myself, a big fan of Test Cricket. With red balls or pink balls, the uh, encounters are happening thick and fast right now, which is really cool. We're going to chat to Tabang. He's back to give us a Football wrap-up, uh, Sundown's doing so bloody well over the weekend, which is really cool. But I also want to discuss with him the option of increasing the World Cup to 40 or 48 teams. I'm not a fan, but uh, yeah, let's get his thoughts on this. And then we're going to preview next show. That's something I'm going to start doing more of. I always neglect to do that. Uh, it's always nice to know where we're going, though, as a show. So I'm going to throw that in, too. But let's get into some headlines, then. Um, over the weekend, we had the Curry Cup. Now, I know what you're saying, like Curry Cup, it doesn't really mean anything until the box are playing. Well, yes and no. I mean, I like to say that the Curry Cup still has a big part to play in SA Rugby. I think now it's kind of changed because now it's like this, this proving ground, this stage where, you know, the next level of players comes up, which they have to because when you think so many top players or even middle or young players go overseas now for currency reasons and you can't blame them, the Curry Cup really does have to unearth quite a lot and actually really get them running into, say, Super Rugby. And the, the semifinals are pretty interesting. Uh, starting with the Cheetahs, they absolutely blew the Lions away, playing Lions rugby, essentially. Now, the Lions, um, well, they haven't had Springboks um, in their team for a couple of seasons now. That's why they've been so dominant in the local stage. This time around, though, they've lost a lot of guys to international rugby. So that team wasn't as potent as it has been in previous years. The Cheetahs, well, they're kind of benefiting from the fact they've got very few Bok call-ups. I think it was just Opa Mojo. He's the only guy... Um, I can think of cheetahs wise that were actually playing for them. 
So they had one guy out, and the rest of them, well, they've put together a formidable team. They've been unbeaten the whole season, and they've beat the Lions 55-17. So, um, are they going to win the final? Well, actually, you know, you look at the other game. No matter what these two teams are going to do, I can't see either of them beating the Cheetahs. But they went out on it, uh, the next two games, next two teams. The Blue Bulls, they beat Western Province 36-30, but they were 29-30 going into the final minute of the match. And, uh, they substituted, they made some interesting sub calls. They took away some established players, put on some inexperienced players. A couple of guys went off injured, but the Blue Bulls stuck to their guns and they're right at the death. They got a try in the corner. And, uh, the guy, the Silver Surfer dude, um, Flav Skumat, I think his name was, he was just slotting goals all day. So 36-30, that means the Bulls, they, uh, finally break the duck against Western Province. In the last few years, Province have always done one over them in the playoff stages, but it's going to be the Cheetahs versus the Blue Bulls. And what I can say is get your bets down. I don't see this Cheetahs team losing anything. They are so dynamic. And, uh, wow, Sergio Peterson, uh, he scored a hat-trick over the weekend. Uh, that backline really is just clicking so nicely. I mean, their fly-off has a beard. How many rugby teams can boast a fly-off having a beard? That's got to mean a good thing in 2016. So back the cheaters all out. But I'll bring you more about that as the week goes along. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have a big feature, feature with Tabanga around the football, but we've got to just touch on the results. Sundowns 3, Zamalek 0. That is absolutely huge. Now, Zamalek have been a bit ropey on the road this season. I mean, they got into the final by, I think, losing a match 5-2. It's quite handy that they won the first leg 4-0, but they've been very ropey away, and uh, they just looked completely out of sorts. But this, the Sundown's goals were very, very good. Um, this, the first one was be- beautifully direct. Second one from uh, corner, and then, yeah, okay, third goal was an own goal, but Good on you, Sundowns. 3-0 is a fantastic lead to take into any sort of um, away leg. So just one more away goal. I reckon that's done and dusted there. But uh, PSL action-wise, well, it's very much a secondary thing right now when you consider that Sundowns are bottom of the PSL log. That's because they've played one game. Other teams have played as many as six. I know this thing balances out eventually, but it's not much of a feature right now. But Golden Arrows and Kaiser Chiefs, they're at the top of the pile. Uh, Golden Arrows 1-0 over Chipper and Kaiser Chiefs 2-0 over Ajax Cape Town. I suppose we'll get more into the PSL when all the other things kind of die away a bit, but it's very much cup season right now. And when you've got an SA team in the biggest cup of all in the continent, uh, it's fair to say we'll get back to the PSL some other stage. In English Premier League action, though, wow, what a weekend that was. Leicester, four losses now in a row away from home. They've conceded 13 goals in the process, so that's not looking good for them. And uh, Chelsea, well, they were too strong for them, 3-0. West Brom versus Spurs really thought that Spurs, if they're going to announce themselves as title contenders, they need to win games like this. They really do. I know it's early season, but they really need to win these. Unfortunately, they couldn't. 1-1, which was the same result for Man City at home. Now, before the international break, we spoke about the fact that Pep Guardiola had got such a great formula going with his team, and then suddenly they uh, they drew in the league. Then they drew against Celtic in the Champions League, which is very embarrassing, considering Barcelona put seven against the ginger guys from Scotland, but uh, Pep could only draw. So another draw here. And uh, yeah, back to reality. Now they come back to the pack. Arsenal 3 to over Swansea, but the big one tonight, Monday. Uh, if you are a big football fan, even if you're just a neutral, Monday, 17 October, it's going to be quite something. 9 o'clock is African time. Liverpool versus Man United. Got to think Liverpool are going to hit this one. But this this encounter, no matter where these teams are, no matter what the form is like, it's one of the big encounters of the year. Going to be played at Anfield. So that's a real harm dinger, as they say in the classics. 
there's quite a lot of cricket going on at the moment. So our chat with James Marsh is going to be an overarching one, basically with all things from what England are doing, uh, how SA were treating the Aussies, um, India. They're going to be obviously back in, back in the news in a big way as they are the best team in the world again, according to the ICC Mace. Um, but they've got England coming to their, 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 their spinning lands quite soon. There's so much going on right now. But today in particular, today, Monday, uh, Pakistan have somehow let the West Indies back into that test match. It was going to be the most boring test match of all time. And then out of nowhere, I think 16 wickets fell on day four. There was only nine wickets in the first three days, but 16 in day four. So suddenly the West Indies are back in the hunt here. They need 251 runs. They've got eight wickets in hand. They've got a full day of play. That is going to be an incredible thing to watch. Uh, not so incredible, far more predictable, is New Zealand's Torrid Tour of India. That's carried on with a loss in the opening ODI. So they lost that one by six wickets. And, um, well, I suppose once you get behind against India in India, your chances of winning are slim to bloody none. Uh, golf news, Alex Noren was too strong for everyone in the British Masters. He played really well in fancy shoes. Um, uh, Brandon's, uh, what's his name? Uh, someone steal. He won the Safeway thing in, uh, the US PGA tour, but all interest are lost in that tournament after Tiger pulled out. I don't think Tiger's ever going to come back now. I mean, it's just going to be so hard mentally to try to go back into matches. He will play the odd tournament here or there, I'm sure, once he gets back into it, but you know, he'll miss a cut or two and then suddenly he'll really contemplate his future more so than he already has done. So, um, I think we must just softly move on from there. Appreciate the great that he was, but just softly move on. In motorsport, Mark Marquez. Wow, what a great end of season he's had. Uh, he beat Valentino Rossi to the MotoGP, um, title. So that's all done and dusted. And in tennis, wow, an interesting weekend of tennis. Now, Novak Djokovic has been basically cleaning up, okay? He's the best of the best of the best, and he's been drilling absolutely everyone. But this weekend of the Shanghai Masters, now Novak, of course, had a first-round exit at, at the Olympics, right? And everyone's like, ah, you know, it's the Olympics, no biggie, carry on, whatever. Uh, but all while Novak hasn't been winning, Murray has. Murray's been so consistent. He's been so strong. He's always been like number two, you know, like that in um, Austin Powers. He's always number two. He's, he's like a guy in the background. We all know he's got something going for himself, but he's always number two in the back. But uh, Shanghai Masters, he won. And that's not really the big story here because he ended up beating um, some Spanish guy. I've already forgotten his name. But that Spanish dude, well, he beat Djokovic in the semifinals. And Djokovic, um, wow, <laughs> you've got to play this rally for you. He loses. Djokovic is now losing his shit, right? He's swiping at the ground, and the racket's about to get it. Batusta Ugat, that's his name. Okay, Djokovic just smashed his racket to shit. Djokovic. You can see what frame of mind he's in. The frame completely smashed on the court. Okay, so he just got a court violation. It's not going well for him. He's now courting the line, line's judge out. You need, you need to do it before the ball goes there. Yeah, he did it late. No, he's no, it, it, not a clay court. Novak is not clay court. You need to say before the ball goes there. Uh, not now. You need to do it before the ball goes there like you did here. You cannot wait and they'll do the challenge. No, that, that, that was like this out. That was like this out and you do it immediately. You need to do it immediately. So things aren't going well for, um, for Novak Djokovic. He's mouthing off hard against the chair umpire here. 
exceptional tennis. And all while this is happening, this Batista Agats, he uh, he's just capitalising on it. Djokovic then tears his shirt. Able to come through it again impressively. Hugely impressive. Spectacular rally. <laughs> a little frustration. <laughs> this dude is so funny. No, no, it's not the problem. That no, it's not the change of the record. So because your action, you delay him to serve. Your action, when they do this with the shirt, delay him to serve. If it happens in a normal play, I will not say anything to you. So he, he tears this giant V into his shirt, right? <laughs> And then the umpire's like, dude, you're delaying play unnecessarily. So that's going to be, you know, you, you kind of, you're going to get these court violations. And they all just kept stacking up. And that's the great thing about Djokovic. He's very human. He's very expression, uh, full. Um, but yeah, this Batusta gut, he was just like, whatever, dude, going to win this one. So I'm going to post this clip. You know, as, as always, the show is always podcast on the bounce.co.za. So you can get all the clips that I play. And, um, yeah, you can have a good laugh about these things. So Andy Murray, who would have thought he could be the world number one pretty soon, huh? He keeps, keeps making that march. So we're about to go into ATP Masters, which obviously there's huge world ranking points at stake there. So I think it's the top eight eventually then get together. And, uh, it's the tournament of tournaments towards the end of the season. And, uh, Andy Murray, great form. He's so consistent as well. It's the whole thing. He's kind of like Djokovic, although on their best days, Djokovic will blow Andy Murray away, but on every other day, Djokovic or Murray is kind of like Djokovic, but if he was more consistent, so that might not make sense, but I think you know what I'm getting at here. He's more of a percentage winner, and at the moment, he's winning more titles. He's more consistent. He's putting guys away just by going to the basics. Whereas Djokovic, if he's not having a good day, well, then he's tearing deep V's into his shirt, so that's not so great. That's pretty much all the big headlines. Uh, I just want to touch on a couple of things before we get to, to James. We'll get to him in about two, three minutes. Um, rugby this weekend, right? So the All Blacks have that big chance to make it 18 uh, wins in a row. Now, we did a whole show last week about the All Blacks. So I don't get too much into this. But Richie McCaw is apparently telling the All Black fans to stop moaning because they, they feel they are so far ahead of the rest of the world that their success is actually being a, a, becoming a bad thing for world rugby. Can you imagine that as a problem to have? I mean, like, you understand Richie is saying, look, shut your mouth. I mean, what more do you want? We've been the best we can possibly be. It's not our fault. Everyone else has become worse. So 18 straight wins. That's what we're looking for this weekend. And Aussie coach. Okay. So it's going to be the final Bledisloe Cup match. Now that is when Australia beat, um, sorry, when New Zealand beat Australia consecutively over and over and over. Uh, so coach Michael Checker, the Aussie guy, he says, well, bring it on. I'm looking forward to this being the game that they finally beat the All Blacks with. Um, geez, yeah, you're smoking your socks there, mate. Um, basically, the All Blacks don't lose at Eden Park. I think the last time they lost in New Zealand was 1994. I could be mistaken. And, uh, well, the Aussies haven't got a hope in hell. So I'm going to get onto that this week as well. I'll give you some nice betting tips as far as how you can make some money out of that. Because I don't want to put the kiss of death on them, but this is kind of a certainty, huh? Aaron Smith has stepped down. He doesn't want to get back into the reckoning. He doesn't want to, uh, he's still repenting for, um, putting the wood to that, that, uh, that lady in the, in the disabled cubicles in the toilets. Uh, sorry, in the airport. So he's not going to be in the team, but I mean, that team is just, they, they can put four or five other guys. They're still so much better than everyone else. So that's what you've got to look forward to this, this weekend. Um, just on the coaching in Darba that's going to take place. Uh, no mallets, no Markroff, no Hanukkah I don't know if they've all been invited, but basically Mallet said a while ago, nothing's going to change in SA Rugby. It's got nothing to do with the coach. It's got to do with the structures. So he basically gave the middle finger to that. So without, with guys basically saying, we've done this before. I'm not bothered doing it again. 
that is really, really worrying. So as much as this Indaba is a good thing, some might even see it more as a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that the Springboks are terrible. So that's the cynical way of looking at it. I would definitely like to think there's more to it, and it's actually going to do something for SA Rugby, but hopes aren't particularly high. And just the final story there, that uh, Julian Redlinghouse, unfortunately, had to leave the field in the Lions' loss to the Cheetahs. What was suspected as a broken neck, um, I know it just doesn't get any more serious than this for a rugby player, but uh, he's undergone a surgery. So basically what happened is it's just dislocated vertebra, um, which in itself, I know, is quite something. So basically he had a fusion in his C5 and C6 level. If you know the spine at all well, then uh, that's what the injury was about. So he dislocated, he sustained a dislocation of his neck in the C5 and 6 level. Um, and it's just, it's been seen to. So the operation apparently was a great success. He will be fine. Whether he'll play rugby again, that is something that we need to look him out for for the rest of the week. This is not exactly a decision you just make. Um, if you lose your ability in your neck as a prop, wow, scary stuff there. But yeah, we've been looking for tight head props. We seem to be always looking for tight head props. Gets even worse from a South African perspective when one of them goes down with dislocations of the neck. That's all your big headlines. We're going to cross the James in a second. Um, but yeah, just some more from angry Novak Djokovic while we get James on the line. In the set, Djokovic. Well, you can see what frame of mind he's in. The frame completely smashed on the court. You need, you need to do it before the ball goes there. Yeah, he did it late. No, it's, it's not a clay court. Novak is not clay court. You need to say before the ball goes there. Uh, not now. You need to do it before the ball goes there, like you did here. You cannot wait and they'll do the challenge. No, that, that, that was like this out. That was like this out and you do it immediately. You need to do it immediately. Exceptional tennis. Just for a moment, wondered if he'd handed it back to Djokovic there with that last shot, but Bautista are good. Able to come through it again impressively. Hugely impressive. Spectacular rally. A little frustration there. I just always like watching sports stars, I don't know, I won't say lose the plot, but I mean, it's pretty funny when the guys get really hot under the collar, or in Novak's case, hot amongst the the, the V of his shirt. <laughs> it's really funny. James, you with us? Hello, Ben. Yes, I'm here. Nice to join you. How are you? That's fantastic. I'm, I'm very good, thank you. It's a nice, uh, balmy Monday morning here in South Africa. Our summer is very much upon us. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you still based in the Czech Republic? I am, yes. I, I wouldn't say balmy, but uh, yes, I'm. Despite Brexit, I'm I'm a Brit still based in Europe, but uh, I'm I'm reaching out, of course, to our four, to our to our Commonwealth cousins, building ties and things. As as we're told, we now have to post Brexit. So it's lovely to speak to you all in South Africa. Well, just before we get into the cricket, this whole Brexit thing, you know, we hear mixed things. Obviously, in the beginning, it was a lot of hoopla about the fact that this vote has been cast. But I mean, is it really going to affect people? I mean, when is it? It'll only come into play in like two years time if it does, right? Uh, Well, I think 
Hang on, just going through my notes, I've got Pink Ball Morgan uh, International <laughs> Financial System. Yes, hang on, just, yes. Um, well, we, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's, it's all <laughs> very much up in the air. I was personally very much against it. It would have been, you know, uh, to Turkey voting very much for Christmas every day for me living in the EU. But we'll see. There's all sorts of negotiations that have to go on. It, it does, frankly, rather make uh, debates over DRS look fairly straightforward. And <laughs> so uh, I don't know. We're, we're uh, in a no man's land at the moment. So I'm not sure anybody quite knows what will happen. So we'll, we'll see. Well, I, I guess least of all Boris Johnson, because you know, these new reports have found that he was against it and then he's with it. And well, who knows? It's kind of like his hairstyle. No one really knows what's going on. So let's get into the let's get into the English cricket then. Uh, they had a very sure. successful ODI tour of Bangladesh. Now, a couple of talking points here. Um, firstly, people are going, "Oh, it's only Bangladesh," but Bangladesh had a shit hot record in ODIs uh, prior to this test. So, I mean, you would say there's a big win, right? Oh, I would absolutely. I mean, that was one of the slightly disappointing things was that people were dismissing this result out of hand it's not i mean as you know in south africa i think you lost out there in an odi yep, series they correct in pakistan they've beaten india and they've become a pretty solid unit i mean they had a couple of collapses ironically um, against afghanistan in the odi series they played before but if you look over the course of the last 18 months they've become a very solid unit decent attack uh mustafa's ryman ryman of course who actually didn't play in the series who is a big loss to them the young seamer they've got he's very canny but yeah i mean this was a genuinely good win for england especially if you consider the age of the players who when many of them won't have had experience in those conditions, the crowds brilliantly in Bangladesh are always incredibly passionate. And it was a real cauldron for the players, the England players to be playing in. So, yeah, it was fantastic. It was a really good result for England. Obviously, the, the big talking point prior to this was um, was that Hales and Morgan decided not to go for safety reasons. Um, you, know, you, never, you never want to toy with that kind of stuff, but you know, was it a decision that could have some sort of bearing going forward as far as team selection is concerned? Well, I think it's it's obviously been a very emotive issue. I mean, the, the, like the base reaction people have had is, you know, Morgan's a leader and he chose not to lead. Now, yeah. I mean, I understand that reaction. I mean, I think that is understandable, but I think the situation has got a lot more nuance to it. I mean, first of all, in terms of his decision, you know, the ECB gave them the choice. Um, the ECB's security advice was that it's safe, uh, but there was con- contradictory advice from the British government saying it's not so safe. And the Barmy Army, the England supporters group, now I'm not saying they're on a par with the CIA when it comes to <laughs> intelligence assessments of security, but, but they regrettably said that they couldn't recommend that fans tour Bangladesh because of the security situation. So, I, I mean, it wasn't as cut and dried, I think. I think the thing going forward, I mean, I personally thought it was surprising he didn't go, but I, I respect his decision. It, it took conversely a bit of bravery to make that decision we were not privy to the conversations he had with his family or anything like that moving forward in terms of how the the side look at him there's two points one you know they've supported him 
in public, but there will undoubtedly be players he gets on better with than he doesn't. And those players he doesn't get on with, I guess it's just a human reaction for them to possibly say, oh, well, you're criticising me for throwing my wicket away or bowling too short. You can even be, be bothered to come and lead us. I don't think that's a fair reaction to Morgan, but it's possibly a human reaction from some of the players. But the thing I don't really like is that it's this idea in England and particularly in some of the press is that leadership is all about, you know, chess beating. If you show you've got bigger balls than the than a foreigner, that you shout louder, you beat your chest harder. That is the key to success. And we see it with our football team. I genuinely yeah. think it's one of the reasons that we've become a laughing stock is because we vaunt shouting louder rather than technique. And especially... So in cricket, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's just not how we should be judging a cricket captain. But on the flip side, the problem for Morgan is that he's going to come back in to captain in a side against India in a series in an ODI series when they're really on a hiding to nothing. Mm. So I think it is going to be difficult for him because obviously I think unfairly the first point of call if. If India do, as expected, give us a bit of a hiding, uh, will be this this decision. So it's a really multifaceted issue. I, I respect Morgan for the decision he made, but I, I don't particularly know if I agree with it. But anyway. Yeah, there's a couple of talking points. I mean, obviously, it could be a stroke of brilliance if Brexit happens and Morgan's not in the team anymore as well. There's also that. You've got to think of those things. But, um, well, we know... I don't, I don't know if we'll have to get a visa to come over <laughs> to play home internationals in, in England from Ireland now. But, but uh, yeah, on a more serious note, Joss Butler is obviously being primed as a future English leader. Um, you know, he's a, he's a handy guy. He knows what he's doing talent-wise as far as, um, you know, whatever he's been called upon to do. His game's been developing brilliantly. But could you see him as a potential test skipper going forward? Uh, I, I could. I think we're a long way off that with Butler, but... Um, well, I suppose... Mark, think... Sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry. He's supposed to obviously become an incumbent and really make the team and get Johnny Bester out of there, I guess, but... <laughs> well, that is an issue, how, how we slot in our plethora of wicket keepers into our <laughs> test team, indeed. But, I mean, he's, he always comes across really well. I mean, he's a really well-spoken guy, um, which, you know, whether that's important or not, but he is. But it was quite interesting, actually. We've had, in the second ODI, he really lost his rag. We saw angry, angry uh, Joss Butler for the first time. I don't know if it was picked up over there, but he, he was, he's obviously a prize wicket. Mm. And um, he was he was given out, but there was a, uh, it went upstairs to DRS. So, of course, all the Bangladesh team congregated, and then it turned out that Butler did have to did have to leave, and the Bangladesh team really celebrated in an aggressive fashion. It was almost like a sort of send off harker. Then I'm, I'm sorry to bring up the New Zealand rugby team. I know it's a know it's a touchy issue for you, Africans at the moment. Yeah, pretty but accurate though. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it, it was it was interesting to see Butler react because he really did snap. But then the first person to defend him at the end of the match, as has been the first player to defend Morgan, was Ben Stokes. So it, it's, it's been very interesting the whole the whole tour. There's been so many different facets to it. 
And as far as the, the young talent coming through, I mean, Duckett was pretty good, especially in that, that must-win game at the end there. Yeah, I get the impression that England are bringing through some decent cricketers, and it always helps to have a winning platform to get them into. So, um, you know, like with the bowlers, there's some new guys coming through are pretty strong with the batsmen too. It's not like a really good top order, you know, when you consider Champions Trophy at home for them uh, next June, I think it is. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it, it is an exciting time at the moment. One of the slightly ironic things is we've had all this debate and argument over the new franchise, City Franchise Tournament, which the ECB have been desperate to bring in. And it's caused all manner of problems with the counties. Obviously, the counties which aren't going to have a City Franchise are very worried um, about the financial effect on, on them. But the irony is the T20 tournament we've had for the last few years, the T20 Blast and its forerunners, has actually done an incredibly good job of bringing through these incredibly exciting England players. You know, like sure. uh, Duckett, Bings, Jason Roy, etc. It's, it's, it has done its job. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, I, I still think we are up against it in this India ODI series. One really disappointment, disappointing thing is that we're not going to have Wood playing Mark Wood, who really was bowling absolute psychotic rockets um, before he sustained an injury. So that's disappointing. But yeah, I mean, throughout the side, even with Stokes, who we're starting to think of as a veteran almost, is still relatively young. And yeah, just up and down the England side. It's 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 weird, Ben. When I've spoken to you before, I've just been carping and moaning. I think. Yeah, it hasn't been the best. So yeah, so it's it's really quite revelatory to feel that excited about an England team. Well, I think the confirmation on the talent-wise is the fact that you guys haven't had to pick a South African in quite a long time. I and mean, that really says a lot about homegrown talent. Well, I mean, just coming back to Morgan, Ben, I mean, we didn't have these problems when we had South Africans captaining England, you know, it's only Greg KP. I mean, we had a very different set of problems when we had KP captaining us. But yeah, I mean, we still got connections, boy, as a South African connection. Our, our uh, Strauss, of course, is the, the overlord of English cricket at the moment. So we're still maintaining bonds in that direction. But uh, no, you're right. Yes, it's it's it, the banter, that element of banter has been denied to South Africans. And it was Australians, actually. It was always Malcolm Conn that always used to like to go on. The, the Australian journalist used to like to go on about that. But anyway, we're like post-Brexit, we're moving towards a, a nation of cricketing English purity <laughs> then as befitting the times in, in my country. Well, speaking of purity, a lot of test cricket on the go right now. India are... They've regained the mace, this mythical, beautiful figure, which looks like it's from Masters of the Universe, but the female version. <laughs> so they've got the mace. Uh, they've just yeah. hammered New Zealand. Um, it always reminds mm. me when teams go there, it's like watching Bloodsport when um, Chong Lee would be in the ring against anybody. They just had no chance mm. in those spinning pitches. So now England are going to get softened up now with a couple of test matches in Bangladesh, which isn't the easiest or nicest place to play. And that's no disrespect to Bangladesh no. as a nation. It's not no, that it great. Won't be easy. I mean, I myself would not like five days in Chittagong at the best of times, let alone padded up and with a ball box on. So they're going to get softened mm. up there. They've got the first test October 20th to 24th, the second test October 28th to November. 
November the 1st. And then November 9th, there you go, five tests against India. So it doesn't look like India is going to relinquish this mace anytime soon. I mean, five tests and a spinning wicket. Talk about a pro, like a points bonanza. Well, yes. I mean, it, that, that would seem to be the sage interpretation of it. I mean, England have sprung surprises in India before. I mean, a few years ago, KP leading the line and Swan and Panasar bowling incredibly well. We pulled off an absolute heist of a series win there. This time, I don't think we can have quite such optimism. We've Our frontline spinners are going to be Moen Ali and Gareth Batty, who for all his incredibly competitive and wonderful spirit in, in domestic cricket, I don't think Kohli and Pajara and Rahana are going to be particularly trembling in their expensive boots. But we'll, yeah, I mean, it, it's they have absolutely steamrolled New Zealand. And I think even, I remember your tour a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk about, about the the pitches, it was like sort of walking on a minefield in flip flops, basically for yeah. South Africa. This time, I don't think the pitches. Of course, they were turners, but you know, it's. And I think the people had a lot of hopes for New Zealand. Actually, I thought they might just compete a bit better. But again, the same way Australia couldn't in Sri Lanka recently, New Zealand couldn't in India. They just could find no way to counter spinning deliveries and in the case of Jadeja, straight deliveries, which is his his key weapon as a spinner. But yeah. we will see we'll see. It's um <laughs> yeah, I, I think as you say, your analogy of a blood sport might be appropriate. But I, I always yeah. just feel for Paul Harris watching Jadeja Bowl because Paul Harris, the SA spinner, he was the master of the straight turner. He really was. And uh, the facial expression to go with it too was bamboozling. And that poor guy, Jadeja's, well, Jadeja's cashing in basically on the back of Paul Harris's legacy. That's all I can well, say about Well, he is. He really should grow an appalling mullet in tribute <laughs> to Paul Harris. And it's frankly disrespectful. He hasn't, I think. So, uh, Massively. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> So just the slightly interesting thing about the India-New Zealand series was just looking at the other tests we've got in the world at the moment in Pakistan uh, or in the Emirates with Pakistan versus the West Indies. One of these tour, one of the matches between South Africa and New Zealand was meant to be a pink ball day-night test. Yes, it was. We're all going to have a day-night test um, against Australia in yep. Adelaide. Uh, so it's very much in, in the news. and But... That was sort of just swept under the carpet in India. We were meant to have a day-night test, and then it just sort of disappeared from view. It just sort of vanished from our eyes. And it, it's quite... Obviously, I think the real politic of the situation with day-night tests and the pink ball is that if it's really going to catch on, like with anything in cricket, we need India behind it. That's not criticism of India. It's just the way the cricket world works. And so... Yeah, it, it, there's talk in India they don't want to, to push pink ball tests because you need more grass on the pitch so oh, exactly. that the ball doesn't, doesn't lose its, its, its form so much. So I'm, I'm quite excited about this pink ball test between you guys and Australia, given the potential bowling attacks we might have. But well, I'm glad you bring it up because I almost believe the pink ball could become a bit of a leveller because we see India 
getting teams into the Venus flytrap of pitches and then they get wins. Now, I reckon that they scrapped the pink ball because I thought, hang on a second, we have to make this pitch a bit more neutral and it doesn't guarantee any sort of wins. The first three days of the Indi- of the Pakistan-West Indies test was so bloody boring because I think the, the pink ball wasn't able to do much. And, you know, like Dubai is a pretty docile pitch at the best of times. Well, of so, course, yeah. So I think they've actually got to get a pink ball test in here just so we can level the playing fields in India. It's almost like you're going to go there, you're going to get scratched up and, and done. And then when India tour your, your country, then you just make it a green, a green mamba of note. So it's almost like, like spiteful pitch pe- preparations are happening here. And, and maybe, maybe the pink ball, the pink ball is this diplomatic icon in the middle, which is going to make test cricket more, com- more competitive. Right, a sort of UN. <laughs> it's like the, the the coffee or none of kookaburras is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might need it. We've tried but yeah, we, we're on the verge of a fantastic fifth day here, West Indies versus Pakistan. I don't think West Indies have quite enough quality to really get this done, although they need 251 runs at the end. The, the future of West Indian cricket, though, I mean, it's pretty clear. It's in coloured clothing, and the guys in the white shirts are just they're just holding on. They look a pretty determined club side. Is that a fair thing to say right now? Uh, I, I think it is fair. I mean, if you look at the talent that's gone out of the side recently for one reason or another, obviously Gail Chanderpool. Um, I mean, even players like Sarwan, we could look at. He's only he's still playing or just recently retired from domestic cricket. You know, there's a huge amount of talent there, which for one reason or another, and one big reason, has probably been chronic mismanagement by the board. Yeah. They've lost these players. So I think, yeah, I mean, you, you can't argue with their, their record in limited overs cricket, but there are... They're, I mean, they've almost become a, this idea that Test cricket is dying. I mean, it's it's dying, but it's obviously a little bit peaky in some areas. Sure. And the West Indies has become the sort of poster patient for its decline. It's the the area we always turn to. But I don't know. There are I think there's reasons to to be optimistic in West Indies Test cricket. You've got um, Brathwaite at the top of the order who. You know, can at times make Jeffrey Boycott look like Dhoni. He's so incredibly stolid, but he he has been a force for good recently. You know, Leon Johnson he played very well yesterday. Watch a bit of it, even up against uh, Yasser Shah with the the pink ball turning considerably. He got a half century. Blackwood in the middle order. So. Yeah, I don't know. Gabriel, I think the the fast bowler who's who's built like several rows of tanks is genuinely, if he can stay fit and exciting, prospect. And and Bishu, again, if you want to attribute this to the pitch or to the slightly uh, unheralded nature of the pink ball, picked up eight wickets with his leg spin yesterday. So. I don't think it is all absolutely doom and gloom, and they have certainly competed a lot better than people thought they might do. I mean, just as a leader, talking about leadership earlier, I think Jason Holder is genuinely one of the good good guys of international cricket. So I I would love for him to try and take this team on a bit. But, yeah, 
Well, I just hope, I, I just hope for, um, for the, the future of test cricket that the West Indians can win this pink ball test here and then we can say that the pink ball is doing wonders because I would like to see more of it. And of course, the, the SA versus Australia test, that's going to be the real sort of big test. And they're going to, I think after that, everyone's going to take stock of this. And if that goes well, then there'll be lots of pressure on India to kind of play ball, so to speak. And then the next thing is, will it get into the ashes? I suppose that's the big final question when it comes to pink ballness. Well, indeed. Well, I think we have got a day-night test scheduled now. Uh, I think I can't recall who against next year. I think maybe against the Windies, actually. But so, yeah, I think we are we are looking at it in England. But I'm certainly looking looking forward to seeing Rabada, uh, reinvigorated Stain, Morkel, uh bowling with it in in Adelaide. I'm not sure if Australia have actually got any fit. Fast bowlers at present. No, they, they do apparently because the because you know Australia, they're so selective. They even they even quit the IPL early. That's how selective these guys are. <laughs> it, it's it's a real talent. Anyway, James, unfortunately, we run out of time. I need to talk about football, one of my lesser sports, but sure. no less no less competent, <laughs> I might add, about myself there. Um, what else is what else is happening online? What can people get more of from you at the moment? Uh, well, at the moment, if people. Do do want uh, bizarrely to read any of my work? I'm writing for First Post at the moment. The Indian website we've just done a piece looking at Pakistan's Test history through the lyrics of Bob Dylan, uh, oh, which good. you know might sound a little bit wanky to some people, Ben, but I assure you it's not. But uh, yeah, so I'm just writing on there at the moment, and I'm still on Twitter at Pavilion Opinion. So bumbling along. Brilliant. Like James, stop being so bloody modest. You're as good as they come on the writing front. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this in this England series of them just, you know, watching their food and obviously being very sweaty for about two months, three months. It must be so difficult going to that subcontinent and you just got nothing but more games on the horizon. Two tests versus Bangladesh, five tests versus India, followed by three ODIs and three T20s. Ouch. Mm. All right, James. <laughs> All right, James. Thanks so much for your time. That All was, right, Ben. Always a pleasure. Bye bye. Right. That was uh, James Marsh. Pavilion opinion on the Twitter. Um, always just so insightful, so interesting, and so funny when it comes to cricket. Tabang is here, so that means we're going to talk about football. And to get us into that, we're going to have Sundown's first goal in a language that you will not understand. <laughs> هجمة أمامية خطير استلام روعة والتصويبة والهدف الأول تصويبة والهدف الأول في المباراة في باصة جميلة في العمق وهدف بقدم اللاعب الليبيري في الدقيقة مشاهدينا 31 من الزمن الشوط الأول من خطر كبير يسأل عنه قلبي دفاع على قبر وإسلام جمال No matter the language, you just know that was a great first goal. Hey, Tabang, what a match that was. 
Yeah, what's up, Ben? How are you? Yeah, solid, man. Solid. Yeah. I'm, I, I was quite torn as, as whether to be like really ballsy and say Sundowns are going to do it because I jinx teams terribly. I mean, I'm so, such a horrible influence on, on football teams. So I sat back on the fence and watched as they absolutely obliterated Zamalek, who I know have a pretty dodgy on the road record, but that was a good performance, Sam. You think things are coming together at the right time as far as maybe they're not so great domestically Sundowns right now. Obviously, they got hammered in the MTNA Cup, but this is what really matters here. I mean, they win this. They they win a lot of money. Yeah, after that loss against, uh, what was it, Vitz, that 3 0 loss, yeah. Uh, it, it, for you to doubt as a Sundowns fan if Sundowns were going to win this one, you know, it wasn't going to be an issue, but they, were, they outplayed, outthought, and out everything Zamalek on, on Saturday afternoon. And uh, the midfield duo of Mabunda and Kekano were very strong. They seemed physically stronger, actually, and they seemed hungry or hungrier than Zamalek were. It seems like Zamalek actually didn't prepare wisely for no, Sundowns on the day. They, they looked absolutely shell-shocked, and yeah. I'm glad you bring up the physicality. A lot of our, a lot of the times, our, our boys get pushed around on the continent, but not here. And uh, three goals is a massive, massive cushion to take into this next one. Now, we know when we go to Zamalek, there's going to be lasers in, in the eyes. There's going to be all yeah, kinds of other Yeah, and there's going to be penalties, uh, uh, bogus penalties given Funny to Funny refereeing decisions. Yeah. yeah, So, but still, that's why you got to take a 3-0 lead when you yeah. go play somewhere else. So, yeah. I mean, there's a buffer there for dodginess. <laughs> but, yeah, I reckon this team's good enough to get an away goal. And uh, if that's the case, then... Uh, oh, Big silverware, huh? I mean, Fakilin is going to lose his shit when these guys get back on the airport. Yeah, He's going to explode. This, this is our second team in five years to reach the final. You know, Pirates didn't. Yeah, my team, Pirates, unfortunately, didn't win it when I was at, uh, three to four years ago. Yeah. But uh, because they had a 1-1 draw in the first leg, mm-hmm. and then they went to Al-Akhli, and they lost then. But this 3-0 lead, I, it's it's... For them to overcome three 0 it's it's gonna take a lot, yeah. and for for them to because they're gonna have to attack because they need the goals, and if they attack, obviously they leave themselves open at the back. Indeed, and, indeed. Yeah. Now, um, Tabang, one thing I wanted to bring you into today for chatting about is um, this whole expansion of the World Cup. Now, it all sounds all great and well. What happens in World Cup, basically, now the Bafana Bafana are in the World Cup qualification uh, era right now. We drew with Burkina Faso straight up, which wasn't very good. Um, so how it happens is that everyone's got their little pools. Everyone then decides, everyone plays, and then the top guys go through, and the selection process comes down to, I think Africa gets, what, four teams currently? Or is it no, three? it's five teams now. Okay, so they can yeah. only get five, right? So now what this... Um, uh, Infantino guy. Okay, yeah, so he's the, the guy, guy. He's the guy that took over from Sep. Now I reckon he's just on one big PR mission here. He's going. <laughs> it seems you like know it. what, football world. Let's let's really open it up. But in order to do so, you're still going to have like World Cup light going into World Cup proper. Yeah. So you might as well just carry on with your qualifications. Make it like it is, but maybe grant the African continent one more team or grant Asia one more team or something like that. Maybe the stronghold of European teams needs to be readdressed. Of course, they won't do that because of money. So I just think it's a very hollow promise that he's throwing out there. It's kind of like, well, you can all come to my party, but we're going to have a little, little guest list before you might not make it. But hey, you're going to be at the same place. Yeah. Well, do you think, do you think I'm yeah. off the mark here or do you think no, it's kind I, of an- I, I personally don't think it's a good idea because I got I got issues with it. Mainly three issues. The first issue is obviously with forty eight teams, that means the World Cup is gonna be longer, which means like 
two months in in a yeah, specific host country. So you know long, what I'm saying? Yeah. How much money do supporters have? And two, it's obviously the quality, as uh, we did see. What is it uh, with the Euros? They did expand it as well, and uh, some matches were not so good. Yeah, because there were too many teams. You know, when yeah, when you bring I mean, in like, too many teams, the quality gets diluted because the lesser teams. There will be there will be a, a time where the lesser teams play against each other, yeah. and that won't be good TV. I'm telling you. Yeah, exactly. And, because there's like a weaker third team that goes through because of a point goal difference or whatever, and it's almost like a participation trophy. Yeah, like you'll you'll get to the cream at the end, but you, like you say, it's this long period. It's like the Cricket World Cup, the ODI one. There was times where it's just so bloody long to lose interest. Yeah, and the third one will obviously be. Uh, it seems like FIFA, if they do this, they'll be doing it for financial implications for the organization rather than anything else. He said himself that no, uh, these, this is not for financial or political reasons. Then after that, he said, uh, whatever additional cost that will be, will be largely outweighed by the additional revenue mm. that they do. So I think he kind of contradicted himself. I don't know. I, yeah. I just think it's, it's one of those things like, okay, if this goes through, there's already talk about um, countries now co-hosting. So we'll talk about maybe America and Mexico are going to host, which is all lovely ideas. I mean, some countries for financial reasons can't do it by themselves. Okay. So we're going to see a bid coming through between Uruguay and Argentina. That kind of makes sense because South America will cap. They're close to all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it just uh, constant tinkering. I think there's better things to put time and effort into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe make, again, incentivized continents, maybe have another team or two. But this whole thing about everyone gets a bit of a go and you're all kind of there. Yeah, uh, no, it's. And then, and then you've got like two waves of fans. You know, you get the first half fans, second half fans. Uh, it just seems like a bit of a slow <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one on this. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, what's happening on the blog at the moment? You started a feature recently, which I'm really enjoying, about goals of the weekend. Yeah, you yeah. You do this yeah. for a while, though. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just that right now I just added my audio on top of it, but I have been doing okay. goals, goals of the weekend. Yeah. So I added my audio on, on top of it and have been uh, working with Wade. Yeah. Yes, we okay. with uh, the, the SA Soccer Max. So, All right. Yeah, if you mind, I get a feature on his uh, website. Okay, so, yeah. like, so you're slowly but surely getting out there and doing a lot of stuff that you know yeah. you can do, and you're very good at it. So just give yourself a little plug there before we we cut off for the week. Website wise. Oh, website wise. <laughs> you got to be quick okay. on the plug. You got to be quick on the plug. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they can catch me on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's you can search me. You can search for me. It's Tamang Khaledi. Or you can look for me with my handle is uh, cheese c h i z underscore z o b o blog b l o g yes, yes that's good. yeah that's on what is it T- uh, Twitter and Instagram Very and nice. my blog yeah it's Zobo Football blog. Very good. So every Monday, look out for that. Devang's uh, take on the best goals. Um, very little came from Leicester, so you won't see them on this week. No, but you'll no. see other great teams, just like Sundowns. Yeah. So there you have it. Thank you for joining me this week on the Bounce Show. Or sorry, the Bounce Show. The Bounce Show. If you are listening live, watch West Indies vs Pakistan today. It's going to be an absolute belter the last day because, well, Pakistan need eight wickets. West Indies require 251 runs. They've got a full day of play. It doesn't really rain in Dubai, so don't worry about that. 
Uh, it's going to be very interesting. And go pink ball cricket. If this can get teams to be more competitive, then I'm all for it. Thanks for joining me. Next week, almost forgot it again. Next week, we're doing a big feature on sports betting. Now, some people out there might go, ah, oh, South African sport right now. It's so horrible. It's so doom and gloom. All our teams are crap. Well, have you considered maybe putting a bit of money on them? I gotta say, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not really ashamed of anything in life, but, um, I was betting over the weekend. I did pretty well. And, um, I was betting, I was cheering for teams that I don't normally cheer for. I'm not saying become a turncoat overnight, but I mean, if, if you're really down in the dumps right now with sport, try to spice it up a bit. How, be, how much did you bid, bid? I don't bet big. No, I work okay. in internet radio. I mean, I've not much to bet. <laughs> yeah. So a few hundred here and there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I doubled my money. So I found uh-huh. a good weekend. I've bet on Andy Murray. Really? See, I, I don't like Andy Murray. Here I am because of sport betting. I'm diversifying <laughs> my, my portfolio of interest. I, I'm betting on, on Manchester United tonight. Five rand to lose. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it for the week. I've been yeah. given the signal, like the Oscars, the producer gives me the signal. We're out of here. Catch you next week. Big sport betting. Otherwise, the bounce is here today for everything the rest of the week. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.